0: All right, tonight what I'd like to do is I'm going to try to summarize some of the things that we have said over the last four weeks of this series, and then I'm going to answer the question, so if you don't like summaries, you can just look on the horizon because this question is coming, and that is, if really God does speak to us, if he does speak to us in our thoughts and in our impressions, then how do I know when it's God speaking, and how do I know when it's, you know, not the crazy thoughts in my head? So just hang on to that for a moment, we're gonna get there. But I like to kind of build up to it because not everybody has been here every week and I'd like to also kind of close the series by summarizing this. Here are some of the things that we've said in summary from your comments and from things we've observed. Number one, God communicates in many forms and his communication comes in many forms, right? So we've been focusing on a specific form. Does he speak conversationally to us? But we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that he speaks in many other ways. We'll see a few in a second. We also said in the first week that sometimes we have the wrong motives for hearing from God. And what I mean from that specifically, probably the biggest wrong motive we have is we want to hear from God when we need to make a decision, and that's about the only time we want to hear from God. You know, if you had a conversational relationship with a friend, and the only time you approached that friend was when you needed advice, they would get very tired of you. If the whole relationship boiled down to help me out, right? Then you'd have a parent, <laughs> you know, not a friend, right? And, and sometimes I feel like that's the way that we come to view God. And maybe that's one of the reasons we don't hear is because we're on the wrong channel. God is trying to communicate to have a relationship. We are trying to get communication to make decisions or to know the future or to feel better about something or because we need something. And I'm not saying that God doesn't communicate on that channel. I'm just saying that we exclusively tune into it and he may be communicating on a much broader spectrum. Third point, in practice, it seems that many of us don't really wanna hear from God except when the crisis comes, when the big decisions come, when we're in trouble, then we earnestly seek God. The reason I say in practice is because I don't see many people troubled by the lack of communication with God when everything is going well. In fact, it's probably generally true, there are exceptions, that most of us don't give much thought to communicating with God when everything is running very well. We might be thankful for it, we might be just like, hey God is really blessing me right now, but we're not really having this desire for direct communication. But when the wheels come off, that's the time that we're seeking the most. That's the time when we want Him to be there the most and it seems that we're looking for a little bit of an on-demand God. So we just have to at least acknowledge that. Fourth point is our desperation to hear from God drives us to extreme measures. Maybe we seek and fast and for a week, you know, maybe we play Bible roulette. You know, maybe we sit in silence in a place or go on a retreat or like, you know, some people literally will go up to the monastery that's around here and spend some time. And then when that doesn't work on our timetable, we conclude that the whole thing doesn't work. Or we give up on it. Or we feel like, you know what, when I needed you most, you weren't there for me. Because we chose the time and we chose the place and we chose the subject And then we just kind of held it out there for a limited time offer. And when God didn't respond, we just concluded, this doesn't work. I think that's a common experience that we've had. Another summary point is that we come to the point where we said in this series, it's based on this fact. We believe that God is conversational. He speaks to individuals when it's appropriate, which is to be expected. If you're going to be friends or have a friendship or a real relationship. Now this is controversial. I'm summarizing it like, well, we all said that, and we all discussed the question. After hearing the opposite point of view that, no, God is not conversational, he does not speak to your heart. And we debated it out in different groups and came back with the solution of, yeah, we mostly feel, most of us felt like, yes, he is conversational. I think what's interesting about this point, though, is that we're putting God in a place where we're saying we're defining him as a God who wants to be in conversation with his creation. And that's something you have to kind of decide do you believe that or not before you go any further in this view. So most of us I would say came back and said yes we do believe that. I want you to be careful though is it because you want it to be true or is it from experience and most of us said no from experience we have felt that way. Huh? When we're not hearing from God another point that we summarized is we should be prepared to understand there might be some reason Is there some obstacle in our life to hearing from God? Like, is there some sin that clogs the arteries between you and God so the communication doesn't flow freely? Are you distracted by everything else that goes on in a hurried world that we live in so that you couldn't hear him above the noise of your life because you've left no room to hear anything? We ask these questions like, well, even if he spoke, to what use would I put a word from God? Like, am I a person who would use what he gave me? What am I doing in my life that God would speak to me? Like, am I actually in a place where I would expect that God would converse with me, that we would be going somewhere together or having a conversation? Or am I ready to respond even if I did hear from God? Am I ready to obey? Or am I just expecting him to jump onto the train that I'm running and is already in motion, hoping he just blesses my endeavor? So there's questions we should ask sometimes in those periods of time when we're not hearing, okay? Two more points and the summary is almost over. God does speak in many ways. These are the ways that we've summarized. And I don't think most of us really question that God can speak audibly. We've seen even evidence of that in scriptures. Or that he speaks to us through his word or angelic visitations, visions, dreams, prophecy, other believers speaking to us, which you'll see is a big one we're going to come back to. And deliberation, which we've described as a greater group of believers speaking to one another. And so tonight's question flows out of these. How do I differentiate between God's voice and the other voices in my head? First of all, you could ask, why are there other voices in your head? Like, what's going on? How do I know that it's God speaking and it's not because I have multiple personalities, schizophrenic, or I'm just weird and I think weird things? Or a real serious way to say it is, the way that Philip Carey asked the question when we read from his book. Don't you think that your own conscience is something you should listen to? Don't you think your own heart is something you should listen to? Why is it that we have to label it as God for us to listen to it? And I think there's a very important point there that we made and we should not lose, which is there is wisdom and you do have a brain and you do have the scriptures to guide you And there are times when you, on your own, will say, this is not a good idea. And it's okay to listen to that without labeling it as God every single time. And I'm not just talking about warnings, I'm talking about decision making. Like you may decide, you know what, I am going to go to that school, I am going to take this job, I am going to drop out of that sport. And you can make that decision on your own and you do not need to sit around waiting for it to be God for you to do that. And I think that's important. Where I disagree with Philip Carey is I don't think you can take his advice to the nth degree and say that God never weighs in on those decisions. That God won't speak to your heart at all, ever, just because maybe a lot of times You can listen to your own inner voice. So let's make that point very clear. I'm not trying to say that he's wrong. I think that most of the time, I can't even make a a prediction. 50-50, 60-40, 70-30, that maybe you should be listening to what you're thinking inside because you're a thinking person, because God gave you a brain, because you've grown up in a church where people have taught you your whole life, where you read books, where you have friends that are wise, where you have mentors, where you have parents. Like if all of that didn't count, what's the point? So I think it does count, but I don't think it negates the fact that God speaks. So we still have to answer this question. How do I differentiate between God's voice from the other voices in my head? Let me throw it open to you for a moment, because some of you had some answers, or even some questions about it in the first place. Anyone who hears from God or feels that you have a conversational relationship where God speaks to your inner thoughts and ideas, want to answer this question just from experience? Yes.
1: there's an issue of context, like something that kind of pops into your head connected to nothing. Like, oh, I should check on this person. And, wow, it sounds like they were actually having a really bad day. That's interesting that I thought of them. I don't think that comes from us. So if it's not connected to anything and it's not really something that we would logically at that moment come to on our own, I think, yeah, there could be an element of God speaking that into our
0: lives. Okay. So you feel like when you're talking about I'm running errands and I'm thinking about this and all of a sudden somebody's name pops into my head. Yeah, you think that's not connected. Like that's, I should pay attention to that. Okay. Anyone else? Yes.
1: I think we discussed this before is that a lot of times in my own life, if, if, I, if it comes up in my mind, something that I've been worried about or thinking about or praying about, and then I see someone else, and they, they kind of affirm it to me or I find scripture and it affirms it to me or something, something throughout the day it just kind of uh, confirms that you know like I second the notion you know like one of those things where you feel like it's it's like okay well then this couldn't have been just me because you know everything around me is screaming you know about the situation
0: and and how many things do you think need to confirm it
1: for me personally I don't really have a number sometimes like if you know, if a friend would would come in and just mention it and be like, they knew nothing about it. They didn't even know anything, you know, and then all of a sudden they've mentioned something that I was really praying over and harping on that I kind of feel like, you know, that might be a sign.
0: Okay. Anyone troubled by being able to figure it out? Okay, so quite a few of you are troubled by it. Um, I hope that I can maybe add a little bit. And I'm going to borrow again from Dallas Willard because he seems to be one of the leading voices in this. Let me give you some of his perspectives and you now push back if you feel so led to do that. I'd love for you to push back on some of these. First of all, we start with this question. Is there a priority in the way that God speaks? It's a question because I don't know that we could ever say, oh yes, God must speak in this priority. But I think it's important for us to think Is there primary ways and secondary ways in which God might speak to us? And at least ask the question. So, look at these priorities. Just think about them for a moment. I've picked from all those ways that God speaks, you know, barring angelic visitation and visions and dreams, I'm just talking about most everyday normal Christian experience. You might notice that God might speak through the scriptures as a primary means. Maybe that's the way that we Maybe primary in this case doesn't mean best but might mean like the most frequent way that he's going to speak to us is through the scriptures all right and remember that the holy spirit is present in the scriptures the holy spirit inspires the scriptures and now for believers we have a word which is illuminates the holy spirit like actually helps us to understand the spirit behind the scriptures which were originally inspired just by kind of bringing things to mind bringing understanding as we read them I'm not denying that we should be learned in how we read them. I'm not saying, you know me, I'm not not throwing out commentaries and education, none of that. But even the spiritual understanding of what we're reading, all the knowledge in the world, is not going to get us to the place where we have connection with God without the Holy Spirit opening up even the knowledge that we have and the scriptures that we have before us. So is that primary? Second. I mean, God does speak to other believers. You've already mentioned other people might come to you and say something. I think that God still does that all the time. And then I believe He speaks to our thoughts and impressions. So this priority might be the frequency in which we might experience it. All right? Now, some of you might say, you should see the other believers I hang out with. They don't say anything. All right, I'm saying in general, I believe that there's somewhat of a priority for us to keep in mind. So again, we don't overemphasize God speaking to us personally. That would make us too individualistic again to always go straight to the bottom and say, that's the only thing I want, and ignore the rest. Okay? So here's Dallas Willard's quote that actually explains how we know the difference. I like this quote because he actually finally kind of answers this question. Beyond this, beyond kind of maybe all the things we've been talking about, The only answer to the question, how do we know whether this is from God, is by experience. Even a word-for-word quotation from the Bible can be put to a use that makes it only a message from the dear self or even from Satan. That is why only the Bible as a whole can be treated as a written word of God. Let me explain that last part to you. It's very easy to pluck things out of context and say, the Lord said something and here it is. If you want to know the master of plucking things out of context, that's how Satan tempted Jesus. He just took verses out of context and said, but it says this. And Jesus responded and said, no, 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 but it also says this. So the first thing is, even if we are hearing from Scripture, or even if in our inner thoughts and impressions, or another believer comes and says, I have a verse for you. You ever had a friend do that? I don't know where that practice began. You know, like, I have a verse. God gave me this verse for you. That always makes me feel weird I'm not even sure that practice is I haven't found it anywhere in scripture I think we just made it up frankly it can be plucked right out of context and most of the time anybody who begins with I have a verse for you it is plucked out of context I can just tell you usually if they say I have a whole chapter you should read even that might be a little bit out of context right to say that this verse just needs to apply to you okay so One thing is we need to be reading it in context. But the other thing is, notice even a word-for-word quotation from the Bible. It could be something that we are using to rationalize or justify something. It could be something that even Satan has used, and he has. He uses scripture. We have evidence of it. So again, the question is still troubling. And the most troubling part is he's saying, how do we know? We just practice. We just do it. Some of you should be saying, that's kind of a weak answer like I just do it until I get it right it's just kinda like I just hope and and, and feel my way through it that's the answer he's giving and it's fair to critique that to say that's not very satisfying to us
1: I feel like sometimes there are no solid answers you know and especially where I feel like sometimes where God speaking to you is concerned like how do you know for sure? Is there a template? Is there, an, is there a direct scripture verse that says, God will speak to you this way, this is how you know it will be from him. Like you don't, you don't have that, so you don't know, and so. That's
0: yeah. why there's an exodus, so, yeah. Well, I think it has to be just for some sort of humility.
1: You know, like, I think mean, there are times where I feel, yeah, I think, I think God led me in this direction or gave me this impression or gave me this thought or, you know, and I acted upon it accordingly. You know and so sometimes afterwards and i look back and i said yep i still think that um, but even then i mean i don't know if you could see definitive under I mean, like
0: but you look backwards at the result
1: but i also in the moment though acted upon the belief that that this is god leading me and then yes but i, I also want to say even when you say look back at the result i think the result could be catastrophic or difficult or even not the way you thought it could or. Even something that got you into trouble and it still could have been Exactly. So so let's not look at, I look back and if it's good, then it's from God. If it's not, then it's not from God. That's not my
0: template. Just mention it. Yeah, I'm not referring to the result as whether it was successful or not. I look back at, you're looking back to say, well, how did that go? Do I still feel that's from God? Did I correctly ascertain that that was God? And I think that's what Dallas Willard is saying by experience, by the way. You do it and then you look and you go, I think that was God. I really do think that was God. So I'm going to, next time I feel that same way or hear that same thing, I think I'm going to try it again. And you might think, oh, that didn't work out. You know, I don't really think that was, that thought was from God. So now I need to adjust, right? That's kind of what he's saying is you're going to learn it by trying to ascertain, did I hear correctly or not?
1: And I think that's kind of, uh, that's why I kind of agree with that. I'm going to push back on Dallas Willard's uh, idea at all because half of the journey is trying to find out the answer, as cliche as that sounds, but it is experience of, the word I've kind of thrown around is discipline. It is a discipline of, of discerning what is your own voice or what is the culture's voice inside your head because we're automatically kind of programmed to think of that first, what the culture is gonna say, what the culture would do. And so I think it's that experience. Uh, I mark it down when there's times when I say, yeah, I thought God was leading me on this. And you know what, it just didn't work out. And then there's times when I'm like, you know what, I kind of felt God pushing me or God's presence, is usually subtle. And then I, I mark that as well and say, oh, okay, that's, that's what I need to be going with. And so it is experience and it is a discipline. And after a while, we, we,
0: um, we get better from it. Does anybody in here journal? Wow, really? That many people? Okay, I make fun of Christians who journal. <laughs> what? But I will tell you that I am realizing that I'm the poorer for it. I'm realizing that there have been times in my life where God has spoken something profound to me and I forgot it. <laughs> Oops. I've also realized that trying to figure out through experience when you thought something and how you evaluated it, it's best done when you're writing in the moment, what you're thinking and experiencing. And then you go back many months and many years later and you can just read it and figure out like was I on the right track or not. And the fact that I don't have any written record of my relationship with God Means that, like, you know, just I get erased every single few months. I can't remember too far back. And that's a weakness. So, for those people in previous podcasts where I've made fun of journaling as one of those strange Christian like habits, uh, I retract all that now <laughs> and, uh, and, and commend it to you for that very reason. I, I mean, I couldn't understand it before, but now I finally found a reason you could stick into. That is very important to be able to do that. Let me take you where Jolene was going in just a moment and say, Here are some things that Dallas Willard recommends. And actually, he's not the first. This has been a long tradition, long being like the last 200 years. Philip Carey is correct that you know going back to the early church, not like they were prescribing these things. But there is evidence that people were doing them. And here is some of what people think we should test. They call it the three lights or just testing. Or in our parlance, like, is there a way to know? Can I check it against something? Here are the things that they would suggest if you're receiving some sort of thought, some sort of idea where you feel like God is communicating, then you test it against the impression that you're getting and simultaneously what you get from Scripture and simultaneously any circumstances that are going on in your life to find out, God, are you trying to say something to me? Yes?
1: But how do you back something up with Scripture without already looking for an answer within Scripture and kind of unintentionally reading into the text that
0: which might not be there. It's a total danger. So it's true that scripture, you could just read it on your own and look for the answer there and say, I think I find it in scripture. And as I said before, I don't think there's anything wrong with searching scripture, especially to find the general principles that apply to everyone anyway, which we call God's moral will for everyone. So I think that's exactly what we should all be very familiar with and doing. Like, we should be knowledgeable and obeying. And that, by itself, would be great even if we just couldn't hear anything at all. So I guess I would say, in absence of further instruction, reading scripture to discern the way and to discern how we should live as disciples is an excellent way to go. But I know what you're saying, which is, but how do I not overemphasize it and read into it and make it the answer itself? Okay. Part of the way to do that is you really need to understand the principles that the text is teaching as opposed to maybe just looking at the incidentals. The incidentals are often the very details of a specific story and we try to make them apply to us or taking a verse or a passage or a promise and applying it inappropriately out of its context, okay? But other than that, the only thing I could say to you, honestly, is if you're focusing on one of these more than the other, then you're probably not holding all three of them in tension. So let me go to circumstances, because that's easier to explain. Jolene's already asked about circumstances, like what about opening and closing doors? And you hear this all the time in the church, like opening and closing of doors, like the Lord opens, closes doors and windows, and I don't know what else he does, right? The The problem with focusing on opening and closing or circumstances alone None of us are able to know whether God did that, we did that, another human being did that, or Satan did that. We just don't know with certainty. But there are plenty of Christians who focus entirely on circumstances in good intention. Like they say, you know what? If I don't get into that school, if I get rejected, that's not God's will. Well, I don't know how to play that out. I mean, certainly if God wanted it to happen, there's nothing that would prevent it. But if God is kind of saying, like, I'm open about this. That's whatever happens. It's not going to impact my plan. You don't know if the application got lost. You don't know if somebody tore it up. You don't know if somebody just beat you out because they're better. I don't know that Satan's not the admissions person. I don't know. I don't know. And because I don't know it means that to say with certainty and focus only on circumstance means we're kind of out of whack. Now, I'm skeptical about these three anyway. They're kind of hard to apply. And most people say that until you get very familiar with understanding how God speaks, they're difficult to apply. But I do know that if you're going to apply them, you have to hold all three of them in tension. The idea is that the wisdom is produced when all three of them are kind of all striking the same note as opposed to looking at one of them, which we're all good at doing. We're all good at circumstances. Well, I guess that wasn't meant to be, right? That's all what we say. But I don't know that we can say that with certainty because we would have to have the sovereignty and the knowledge of God to know what was the cause of something. And I just don't think that's possible in most cases. Okay, Jolene and then Ray.
1: Back to the passages from the scriptures, I was, I was thinking about something, you know, typically from what I've, I've noticed from reading the Bible myself, is that a lot of times God will, will the, the scriptures will echo themselves throughout the Bible you won't typically find only one story of something, especially if it's it's something that people struggle with every day. Like you notice it's basically woven throughout the Bible. So I think something that that would be good, I guess, for using the scriptures would be to to read it against other scriptures.
0: Your description of reading those different uh, larger story themes is my version of saying the principles are the things that help us. The other thing is that's why Dallas Willard's quote says that the entire scripture is the word of God, not plucked out little verses. Now, it's easy to say that, it's difficult to apply. Here's why, he says, for example, that there's a story of the rich young ruler who is told to sell everything, and that's an incidental, that's a specific thing. It doesn't apply to everyone, right? But I disagree. I actually think the principle does apply to more than just the rich young ruler. I think it's too, too American, for lack of a better word, To read that story is, oh, that only applies to him because money was his God. Because Jesus says later, as a general principle, that anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And the theme of giving up things for God is one of those things that's repeated. When I get to the rich young ruler and I see him saying, give up everything, I don't see that as, oh, if I applied that, I'd be out of context. I see that as an example of a greater theme that's been going on. So we, it's, it's hard to apply, because I could say, don't look for specifics, look for general themes, but sometimes the specific stories we have of someone being faithful, someone being wrong, all those things are actually there to show us, to illustrate the greater principle, right? To say, what does it mean to trust God, like Abraham? Here's when you did it wrong, here's when you did it right, right? Now, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna sacrifice my child on an altar and go, God send me a ram, I'm not gonna go crazy, but the story is very specific, and yet meant to illustrate a much larger thing that we should all be learning from Scripture. Right?
1: I was just saying, You mentioned wisdom in holding these three things in tension, but I almost feel like these three things are lacking <clears> the <throat> ability to ask for wisdom. Like, I feel like that should be a fourth test, is look at impressions, look at Scripture, look at circumstances, and along with all of those things, pray for wisdom out of a
0: humble spirit. I think that's a great comment. I, don't, I wouldn't take that away either. I mean, I'm parroting the ones that he's presented, but I think that, that even the passage in Scripture from James is like, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask for it, right? And, and specifically to, to seek out in Scripture like that idea of anyone lacking wisdom should ask for it comes from the idea in that context of making tough decisions and figuring out what you need to do. So I think that's good. Okay, these are difficult, I would acknowledge to you to even fit into your head. But what I can give you that's easy to remember from this is don't look at just one of them by themselves. If you are, I would say use scripture. <laughs> that's the one. If you're just going to look at one and just like overemphasize that as speaking to you personally, uh, okay, you could do the least harm that way. But if you just look at circumstances in your life, you're really, you're really assuming that you know much more than you do. Here's another way to know. Some of you commented in previous weeks that when I hear God's voice, I just know that can't be mine. It's kind of similar to what Jill was saying earlier. I just know. I just has a different quality. I'm talking about one thing and boom, something else comes into my head. Okay. I want to present to you this, which I actually think does have a lot of merit. One of the things Dallas Willard says is you can look at the quality, the spirit, and the content of the thought. So let me tell you where we are in this discussion right now we're assuming that God does speak in your thoughts. So, if you get a thought that is of a markedly different quality, spirit, and content, then I believe, and I actually agree on this one, that that's a good place to believe that God may be speaking to you. First of all, maybe I'll explain, if I could, just what quality, weight, and spirit might be. Because I think we need to understand them. Quality... Of the thought or the uh, impression in your mind is that it has a certain impact. It has a certain power. It has a certain weight that you recognize right away. It almost is like you just know from the beginning, I think this is God. Like this is just so different than me, but not just because it's different, but because it's almost, as some would describe, self-authenticating. Like it has the authority with which Jesus spoke when in the scriptures it describes over and over that the crowds were amazed because his words, his authority was so different that you could just tell there was something different about it. You just kind of know maybe. That's the kind of the quality, the weight of that thought. The spirit of it is what results from it. How do you feel as you interact with it? It's almost a peaceful, confident, joyful, kind of reassuring spirit not one that causes great panic, not one that convicts in pure guilt, one that is actually working on you in a way that actually results in a better place for you. Think of even the fruit of the Spirit, if the Spirit is really the one residing in you and speaking. And then the content itself, is it consistent with God's revelation? I don't mean just the scriptures, but just what you know about God, how he's revealed himself to you in your life. Does it give you insight and an illumination that you didn't have before? Is it really something like a conversation where you would say to a friend like, wow, I didn't know that. And you're hearing something and you go, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, you're explaining it to me for the first time. Can you you give me permission to get a little personal about this and give you examples from my own life so that they're concrete to you so we're not talking abstractly? Maybe it'll bring this home a little bit in a practical sense. I'm trying to be more practical as we (laughs) finish out this series and less you know, less throwing out questions that we need to answer that we can't answer. Here's an example. There's a period in my life when I was younger and I had gone through one of the most difficult breakups of a four-year relationship where I was felt, I just felt bitter and empty and broken and I just became that way for a long period of my life. I was a workaholic at that point even more than I am now. I wanted nothing to do with God, I wanted nothing to do with church, I just wanted to be on my own, in my own bitter misery. After watching everything I'd put into this relationship fall apart, I was like lonely and empty and broken and, and hopeless in a way. And there was a part of me that really looked at God like, how could you let this happen? Okay, fine, I'll be the martyr if I have to, but I'm not sure how you could let this happen. And so one night, in this kind of dream state that I was in, I don't know what it was, I was dreaming that my friend at work, who's not a Christian, but he was in the office next door to me, we had all these great conversations. He came to me and he said these words. He saw me kind of feeling sorry for myself in the dream, and he says to me, I don't understand you Christians. You are always talking about how you want God to fill you up, but you have so much trouble when he empties you out first. When I heard those words, it was like, bam, I just woke up. I woke up, like it was like as soon as those words were said, I was like wide awake, and I knew in my mind at that moment that that was God, that was God speaking. I mean, I don't even know why I knew. It was my friend who's like, you know, a non-believer saying the words, but I knew the words were profound. I knew that the words came from him. So that kind of hits me in that kind of that quality sense. Like they just had power and authority, like the way they were spoken to me. I knew it wasn't my friend speaking, it was something in the words themselves. How did I feel as a result of it? At that point in my life, I needed comfort, love, I needed some support, I needed direction, I needed hope. I needed to know that there was a God who still loved me in that place. And the most important thing is I needed to start moving closer to Him again. And that's exactly what the impact of these words were in my life. Like they reminded me of everything I had forgotten about God, that I do want to be filled up with. You know, I mean, it wasn't like I was walking around going, God, fill me up, God, fill me up. I wasn't even thinking those words. But the fact that we do want to be filled by God. There was this profound second part, which is, but he first has to empty you out to have room to put anything in you. The content. The content was the most profound thing for me to understand because I didn't know that it was consistent with scripture yet. I didn't know this lesson yet. I wasn't aware in my own life that God does go through seasons of having to empty you out so that he can use that vessel for his purpose. I didn't know that when you're filled to the brim, you have no room for God to use you in any way. You're almost a useless vessel, especially when you're filled with things that aren't his. And it would take me a few years to learn that lesson and also to find it in scripture. The first thing I did was I started searching my memory banks. Have I ever heard this in a sermon? I don't remember anybody saying this. I remember lots of people saying God will fill you up or be filled with God, but I've never heard anybody preach a sermon that says he will empty you out. He needs to empty you out. You need to be emptied out. Now, later, I would. I started asking my friends if they'd ever heard this, and every single one of them would have the same reaction. Wow, that's pretty deep. And that's kind of what came back to the whole idea of content. Something about it was markedly different. Here's a second example. Just a couple weeks ago, I was feeling very frustrated about things going on in Exodus. Not anybody in Exodus, just stuff going on around it. I was starting to feel very frustrated and angry. I'll confess that I was actually angry about things that were going on that I couldn't control. And I was thinking it's going to impact us. It's going to impact this ministry. It's going to impact what we do. And the more angry I got and the more frustrated I got, the more I was like starting to think of things I needed to do and I was starting to take control of the whole thing. And I'm somebody who could motor on my own ability for a long time before I realized that I'm the only one (laughs) pedaling. and I've left everyone behind. So I was working and thinking and mulling and chewing and this thought came into my head. Here's the thought. We all serve the Lord. Serve was the key word for me. Exodus is his ministry, not mine. He is the head. We all work for him He can bring about any result. He can make any success. He can do anything he wants. He doesn't even need us. He doesn't need me. We can only do our part. We have to do our best to do our part, but we can only do our part. The rest is up to him. He's in control because he owns it. Now, you might know that. I have to tell you that after 42 years, I didn't know that. I mean, sure, I knew it if you asked me. I'd say the right things. I'd parrot them back to you. Oh, yeah, it's his, it's his, it's totally his, right? But inside, it was totally mine because I had to do the work. I had to do this. And I don't mean because you make me do it. It's because I feel that way. Like, I feel like i got to put it all on my shoulder and carry it up the hill because that's what it means to serve the Lord. you got to do all this stuff. And it's like he left you with a job and then he went away and he's going to come back and go, how would you do with the job? And I'm like, I did really good. Here's what I learned from that, the quality and the weight. I knew instantly when I was in my anger, I just knew instantly, how ironic is it we're in a series about hearing from God and I just heard from you about a frustration I'm having with the series about hearing from God. (laughs) Whatever, you know, it's like something like that, right? Like you just gave me a word that I needed to hear that I almost didn't understand. I know I didn't understand, it wasn't almost, like I totally missed the point. What spirit did it come in? I instantly went from anger and frustration and almost a sense of panic because certain things weren't happening to total peace and humility, by the way, and a correct understanding of what it means to be a servant. And here's the most important part about the content. I finally learned in that word by itself what it means to serve a God who's alive, but was also present. Like, I'm good about serving a God who's alive and distant because I know how to do that. I roll up my sleeves and I do what I have to do because someday he's going to come back and we've got to get as many people to believe in him before that happens. That's what I know how to do. Well, I'm not good at it, but that's kind of what I do as a model. But in that word, I started to understand what it means to have a head, have a boss, have a king, have a priest, have a leader, have a savior, whatever you want to call Christ in that way, who's not only alive, but he's present, like right here. And like we serve him right now with him still being the boss right now. It's not like I'm the temporary boss until he comes back. Like I'm just another employee. I'm just another servant. And I think most of you know me. It's not like I walk around like lording over anything. In fact, I'm just the opposite. Like I'm always trying to serve as much as possible, but it's strange that I don't consider serving him as if he's standing right here. And that's, in this case, how I thought, I think that's you. I think that's what you sound like, that in the midst of my anger and in the midst of my frustration and panic, that you would come and say, hey, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Listen to this specific thought. And again, kind of like how Joe was saying, like I'm running this way, the last thing I'm thinking of is anything like what just came out. I could say, sure, that's just me knowing better. And it's possible that that's all it is. But the reason I think it's different is because of this character and quality of the characteristic of what I heard. I feel like it's different. Here's what I referenced and I said I'm gonna be reading from James. James 3.17 says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So if you're kind of sensing, like, how should God's voice sound? What quality should it have? What spirit should it have? How does it impact you? Consider just those ideas as maybe the spirit in which it's given. Now, just a practical thing as we wind up. Is it possible to hear incorrectly? Can we be wrong about hearing from God? Absolutely. I think the answer is yes, clearly. There are people who say they hear from God, and then they are totally wrong. And there's actually a list of them on the internet, I'm sure somewhere, of all the people who've said, God told me X, starting with all the people who said, if I don't raise $8 million by this day, he's going to kill me, right? There's actually been people who've said that to raise money, and it hasn't happened, either the $8 million or the killing. You know, they just continue <laughs> to live. Can we hear from God incorrectly in our own lives? Yes. That's why I think learning how to experience that by actually learning the skill, that's one way to do it. You're gonna jump in, go ahead. I think the world's gonna end on right. That's right. Harold camping, that's right. So there's another example <laughs> of if we're here next week. Somebody who's heard from God incorrectly. Because we were at the retreat the last time that Harold Camping predicted we were going to be, that the rapture was going to happen and nothing happened. We are in Arrowhead. Like, we are waiting. We are higher up than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if we're here next week, that's another place to hear incorrectly. Okay, so answer one, yes, it's possible to hear incorrectly. Here's the next tip I would give you. This comes from Dallas Woolard, but I think this one I would recommend highly. We need to devote ourselves to hearing from God. Now, when you hear that, what do you think of? Do you think of going to a silent place and just sitting there and listening for the wind? (laughs) Here's what Dallas Willard recommends, and I wholeheartedly recommend to you as well, because in my experience, this works. Ask to hear from God and then go find some task that does not occupy your mind entirely, but does not leave you sitting on a rock listening to the whistling wind he recommends house cleaning, gardening, woodworking, some sort of hobby, painting, anything that engages your mind a little bit, but not to the degree that we live in in our world, where we're actually watching TV, watching a movie, playing a video game, going to work, doing anything that occupies our whole mind on one extreme and on the other extreme, Uh, just sitting there falling asleep or really getting loopy as you drift into that, that weird place between I'm ready for a nap and I'm still kind of awake, right? Okay. I would tell you that from my experiences, the times when I feel the closest, like I'm actually concentrating on what God is doing and what I'm doing is when I'm doing those things. So I don't wanna project like my personal experience onto you, but when he recommends this as the way to do it, I was like, that totally works. Actually being in a place where you're doing something with your hands, you're engaging yourself somehow, but you're also free to really listen to what's going on around you. I find that when I am doing something like gardening, which I don't do very often, (laughs) woodworking, painting, any kind of thing like that, in those moments where you're kind of concentrating, doing something with detail, your mind is totally open, but it's not overloaded. And my mind is often overloaded, like, I'm on the internet. I'm watching a movie. I'm doing something. I'm like, my mind is overloaded. In those moments, your mind is actually has some capacity to receive something from God. What do you think about reading? reading is good. I think that reading. And I thought about that question because I thought somebody was going to ask it. Um, here's my issue with reading. It's not that God can't speak to you through what you read, but it is not the same thing as getting an impression from God. It means that God is using something external to you, like circumstance, like. Somebody's speaking to you that's a friend, like an article you pick up to go, that's exactly what I needed to hear, which is a different type of God's communication. So I'm not saying that's not God communicating and he can't reach you that way. What I'm saying is, if you're trying to develop this internal conversation with God and thoughts, like you're looking to have those thoughts come as opposed to just, that would be my answer. I'm not saying that's everybody's answer. That would be mine. So... Track when you're not hearing correctly. You'll learn from it to do something, to actually devote yourself to it. And finally, I think the last one is to ask this question. How do we distinguish hearing from God and decision-making? I want you to understand if there's nothing else that you haven't gotten out of this series is they're probably totally different things. They occasionally intersect, but they're not the same thing. Decision-making is something we already talked about in our series on God's will. Decision-making is something that you're expected to do mostly on your own. In fact, Dallas Willard, the guy who's writing the whole book on hearing God, has this to say about decision-making. It is God's will that we ourselves should have a great part in determining our path through life. So we're kind of right back to where we started that maybe the reason we don't hear from God is because we want a friend who just gives us advice and tells us what to do and answers our questions and tells us about the future and tells us which decisions to make and that's not a friend. God's method and means of conversation, however we understand them, is to have a whole relationship with us and we need to understand that it goes more than just decision making. In fact, most of the time, we're supposed to make decisions in stewardship, using our brain, using what he's given us, using our talents on a day-to-day basis. That's how we do it anyway. Remember, most of us try to predict which are the big questions that we should get input on, and we're usually wrong about even which questions we should be asking. So hear this and hear it loud and clear. Hearing from God, It's part of a conversational relationship with God, and it may help you make decisions at times. It may impact you in many better ways, but it's not the same thing as just decision-making, which you're supposed to do mostly on your own within God's standards. He's already sovereign. You're not gonna escape his sovereignty. He's already written the whole scriptures, which tells us all of the principles and the moral will we're supposed to be living under Try just doing those, you'll run out of life before you get to doing all those things in the scriptures that we're supposed to be doing. And most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, we still are responsible to make decisions within those parameters and we'll be making them with our own wisdom and stewardship. So where does that put us? We've now done three series that look at this question from different angles. I would recommend to you to read Gary Friesen's book, Decision Making and the Will of God. But if you're not into reading a whole book, you can just listen to our, The Mystery of God's Will series, which it's one of the chief books that we use for that series. And it helps you to decide when am I in the place where God does have a specific word for a decision I'm gonna be making and how do I act in absence of that. And most of the time, as we said, you're going to be responsible for the decision you make, but you are responsible to make it, okay? That's what that series is about. We had a whole series just on questions on prayer. You may want to go back and listen to that because in part, we started getting close to whether God speaks to us, but we were answering all the other questions about prayer that we got for eight weeks of questions on prayer. So if you had a question, it's probably in one of those questions we answered, if you've ever had a question about prayer and how it works. And now we've put the third piece in place, which is those two series never answer the question of whether God does actually speak to us. And here's my concluding thought. When I started this series, I thought there was no way this group would conclude that God still speaks to his people and that he speaks conversationally. I thought for sure you guys would jump on to the Phil Carey bandwagon and just ride that thing home saying, I knew there was a reason that I never could figure out what God was saying, and it's because he's not saying anything at all in my heart. He's only speaking in Scripture and in the church and those things. I'm not going to say that that's the worst view I've ever heard. You might still adhere to it. But I am surprised that most of you came out and said, no, I believe he speaks conversationally. But that means you've got a lot of work to do. Because if you believe that, you have to acknowledge, like on the previous screen, sometimes I'm going to be wrong. I need to tune into that voice to understand it. I can't trust circumstance alone because I don't really know what the basis of circumstance is. I don't really know what's behind it all. I need to live in a tension that makes it difficult sometimes. And sometimes I might say, I don't think you're speaking at all. And that may be true. He may intentionally withhold sometimes. So that puts us in a place where we're going to have to stay in tension. And I think that's exactly why I believe that might be the right answer. Because I think that the scriptures constantly produce wisdom when we're in that place where every day we wrestle anew with a God who's way bigger than we are to the point that we appreciate that because we can never put him in the box we've created. And I think that's where we are at the end of this series. So to summarize, yeah, I think God is conversational. And I think that looking at those things like the quality and the weight and the impact of what you hear, the spirit it produces in you, and just the content of what it says, we should start paying attention to, is that something that God is saying to me? And then test it against all those things and learn over time. And start a journal if you haven't done that. Apparently I'm the only one in the room that doesn't do that. So here, I started tonight. See, there is the first two that I recorded, so I won't forget the things that God has said to me. I'm keeping this paper. Let's pray and close up. Lord, thank you for giving us just the time that we've used. Because we use your time and we do it in stewardship. Thank you for giving us this time to dedicate to studying this topic. Lord, it's silly to think that in five weeks we've done it justice. And it's silly to think that right now everyone's going to walk out of here knowing how it is that you might be speaking to us. So, Lord, I ask for courage And also for fortitude, I ask for courage that we would ask one another for help in doing this and we would continue to talk about it. And that we would not feel weird about talking about it because I know that it's something that I need help in. And even tonight being open enough to just share things that I think you might have said was not easy to do. I pray that we have the courage to do that with one another so that we can test it with what other believers hear. And I also ask for fortitude, just perseverance, because we're lazy. Because we're not going to work at it. It's very easy to think, well, that series is done and that whole topic is done. Now I can just go back to worrying about something else. Lord, many of us desire a conversation with you. And many of us believe that you're conversing with us. But we're still stuck in a place to figure out how to do that. Give us, Lord, the perseverance to see it through. I pray in your Holy Spirit's name for the power to do this because I know we can't do it on our own. So Spirit, empower us. Because you're the one who's speaking. Let's tune into your voice. Pray this in your name. Amen.